Well, if you have a Bible, and I hope you do, go to 1 Peter chapter 1. I want to welcome you watching online. For those of you watching online for sickness, prayed for you this morning, and I'm not just saying that, and you are so blessed to be a part of a praying church. I know that they are as well. We're praying that you get better. For those of you at home, because of the roads and the snow and the ice and all that, we're so happy that you are joining us and you as well here. It is so good to be back in Mississippi. Now, I am an Arkansas boy. Uh, I tell people I'm from Little Rock, Arkansas. That's because when you tell people you're from Pickles Gap, Arkansas, they tend to think you're not as smart as you might be. You know what I'm saying? And then when you tell them that Pickles Gap is next to Toadsuck, Arkansas, they stop listening to you altogether. But that's where I am from. Nonetheless, Mississippi is a very important place uh, to me. My mama is from Clarksdale, Mississippi, and so it is good to be back here. And a lot of wonderful weekends for me were spent in Starkville, Mississippi, cheering on the Bulldogs for just a short time in my life as my older brother played baseball at Mississippi State. But the life-changing time for me... Uh, I arrived at Mississippi College. I didn't know anybody. I didn't have a cell phone, uh, didn't have a computer, got to my dorm room, and on the first day, my roommate moved out, and so I was there by myself for my first semester, really a wilderness time in my life, which was such a blessing. And you don't know this, but I want to tell you this. Morrison Heights was such a blessing to a nobody kid from Pickles Gap, Arkansas, for the first semester at Mississippi College. I came here to preach and play baseball, but on many Sundays when I didn't know where else to go and didn't know what else to do, I would sneak in in the back of an, I, I, an old church, the, the church you guys don't meet in anymore. I would sneak in back there. Nobody knew who I was or where I was from, and I knew that I could come to Morrison Heights and hear the Bible preached, and I would come back over and over and over again until somebody found me and hired me, and so I want to say from the bottom of my heart for a college kid that nobody knew and that you never knew was here. Uh, you guys and your ministry and your faithfulness to preach the Word, to pray, to give, to invest in college students, uh, I, I think that this is important. Now, I don't ever get up to, to preach anywhere, anywhere in the world that Morrison Heights is not there with me. And, and that's a beautiful thing about the kingdom of God, and I want to thank you uh, very much for your investment in my life. What I want to talk about today, it, the title of it is A New Way. But for some of you, it's going to just reinforce the way that you've been living. For many of us right now, in the times that we live in, you'll hear someone ask, what are we supposed to do? I mean, how do we respond? How do we handle the next thing, right? How do we live our faith online? What in the world is going on in the world? And I always tell people, when you're not sure what to do in the next step, you always look back to the Word of God. Hey, we're not the first Christians to face difficult circumstances. Are you kidding me? Hey, most of this book was written from men in difficult circumstances to people going through difficult circumstances. And so when we're confused, when we're not sure, when we're wondering what we should do with our life, when that next step doesn't seem so clear, we just push pause. The Word guides our life. That's what Peter is trying to do. That's what Peter is writing for these Christians. Now, this message, I want you to reflect. I want you to think about in, in two areas. I want you to think about your life as we're going into this new year and how you think and how you live. The verse that we're going to look at begins with the phrase, therefore. 
And anybody who knows anything about preaching knows this. When a verse begins with the word therefore, you got to find out what it's there for. Peter is writing to a group of Christians who are scattered throughout the areas of, of Asia Minor. And he is specifically addressing how they're to respond to the current persecution they're facing and the anticipated persecution they're going to endure in the final years of Nero's reign. Peter has not been arrested yet, an event that would ultimately lead to his death around 66 to 68. And this, therefore, he's giving them truths. God loves you. He wanted you. He chose you. He's given you a living hope, an inheritance that lasts forever. And even though you're going to suffer for a while, you have now what the prophets wrote about through your faith in Christ. And as he's reminding them of these truths, he begins to teach them how they are to think and how they are to live during their current circumstances. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I want you to look at it. He says, therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. But as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all of your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. I've got six points, and they tell me if you have the application, you'll be able to fill it in there. You can write it down on good old paper. That'll work as well. I want you to look at this first verse. He says, therefore... The mind's ready for action. The first thing that I want you to think about this year is this. Think intentionally. Think intentionally with your minds ready for action. Boy, anybody who's spent any time around athletics knows that if you wait for the moment of action to get prepared, it's too late. You must begin preparation so that you will be ready when the moment arises. You and I as Christians are called to get our minds ready to live out what God has called us to and to be able to withstand the attacks of the enemy. It's two things, really. To be ready is about being intentional so that we can make a difference and stand strong. This is about spiritual discipline. This is about your routine. Let me ask you very specifically, Have you been intentional about your time in the Word? I told the students, and I will tell you, and it matters not your age. You can't live the Word of God if you don't know the Word of God. And you will never drift into a deeper knowledge of the Word of God. It is an intentional direction. You guard it. You routine it. It's a discipline. It's an appetite. It's a hunger. I would say this. It needs to be the first thing that you reach for every single day of your life. It guards our life. It guides our steps, provides us the the ways to respond. If you want to live in the will of God, you simply must know and obey the Word of God. Peter wanted these Christians to have their minds ready for action. So here's the question. What have you been intentionally filling your mind with? If you were just to chart for the younger generation, your AirPods, maybe the news channel, 
What is it that you are intentionally filling your mind with? Why is it important? Because what you think influences what you do. And what you think influences how you behave. And here's what I want you to know. If you walk in darkness in your mind, you will eventually walk there in life. The longer you drift, the longer you allow things that are not holy, things that are not biblical, things that are not good to be entertained in your mind, you take steps closer and closer and closer and closer to living them out in your real life. One of my favorite things to do in life, we'll travel through Mississippi every year on our way to the beach. I still think the greatest things in life are the simplest things in life, especially with your children. That's why I was heartbroken last night as my children started FaceTiming me when the snow's coming down, because I'm a real snow problem. Get a sled out and let's see if somebody can get hurt. One of the best things in life, jumping waves in the ocean, riding waves in the ocean, there's nothing like it. Is the next wave going to be bigger? Is it going to take us out? There's just something about that adrenaline and excitement. If you've ever been in the ocean for an extended period of time jumping waves, you know this, that it only takes about 15 minutes of that to turn around and say something like this. Where did our hotel go? You didn't intend to drift. You just lifted your feet. Is there a chance that's the description of your walk with Christ? You see, Peter wants these Christians to be ready. And that involves intentionality. I've only been here a few minutes, but if I was going to be intentional, if I had a family here, these workshops would not be optional. You want to talk about just an open invitation to be ready. And I know the folks on your staff. They know the Word of God. I'd encourage you, I would challenge you to get involved this year if you have not been intentional about knowing the Word. Now, now for me, I'm one of the most blessed people in the world. I'm telling you the truth. For the moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas in here, I, I can't remember a morning getting up. I mean, it wouldn't matter how early I got up. And I couldn't get in the living room without my mama beating me there with her Bible open. And it seemed like every night, at least every Tuesday or Thursday night, when we would come home from ball practice, we'd walk in the living room, and there we were. We'd catch our mom and dad right there in the living room having Bible study with a group of people we don't know. The Hebrew word for it is touch the palate, train up a child in the way that they should go. Children imitate what they see. At the heart of discipleship is imitate me as I imitate Christ. If you want to make a difference in your home, start with thinking intentionally. You can't give away what you're not living. Let me ask you this. If the folks around you, if the people in your life, if those underneath your leadership, the people you work with, if they were intentional about your faith just like you, if they just imitated you, what would that look like? Paul is very specific here. From a mindset in Philippians 4, 8, he said this, Whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. The study of God's Word must be a priority. Then you need a passage and a plan. I suggest you find you a place, and if you really want it to stick, you get a partner. And if you would take that path and that way, you want to know what would happen? 
your mind would be ready for action. What does that mean? You walk into a restaurant, and the waitress or the waiter comes up, and you just begin to spot that God wants to use you in their life. I mean, you get in a moment where someone does something, they cut you off in traffic, they say something rude to you, and you're going to respond in your sinful nature, but because your mind has been marinated in the Word of God, you say things that you don't even know were there. It's a beautiful thing for a child when they start to recite passages, right? I got to, golly, my youngest, my oldest daughter had ACL surgery, and she's getting ready to go back. And if any of you have ever been there, it's one of those moments that you feel most helpless as a parent. And on the way back, she turns and says this, Dad, what time I am afraid I will trust in him. Now we're talking. At the moment of action, the time for preparation is over. Preparation begins now, every morning, and there is nothing. You've never met anybody in your life, have you? you never met anybody in your life who dedicated themselves to intentionally knowing the Word of God and regretted that. You've only met people who say, I wish I could have gone back and sooner. There is no age to this. Start them young, keep teaching when they're old, and all the way in between. Peter wanted these folks to get their minds ready for action, to think intentionally. He goes on and says this, be sober-minded, and that can be up for interpretation in our culture, but it means this, the second point, think clearly. We want to think intentionally, but we want to think clearly. What does that mean to be sober-minded? Oh, this is going to make so much sense, especially for those of you who walk around with that device in your pocket. It means this, don't live under the influence of the world. Like, you need to have that guard up. Like, if you're going to go into it, that's right. Be in the world, but don't be of the world. Be sober-minded. Make sure in your home that what you're watching, what you're hearing, what you're reading, it's just, it's crazy to me. I tried to think of a more educated word than that, but it's just absolutely crazy to me. The folks that mindlessly scroll through on social media and give access to the world to say and speak anything into their life. It, it's absolutely just completely and totally the opposite of what we're reading here. Think clearly means what? Don't be distracted. Focus on what matters most. Don't let the folks that aren't in alignment with what you're trying to live, don't let those people have a voice in your life. How many of you? How you treated the real people in your life was influenced by people you don't even know that you gave unfiltered access to your mind. You ever watched a news cycle and you were just mad? And you didn't even know what you were mad at? Boy, how many of us just live our lives and we're not thinking intentionally, like we're not looking at what the target is, but not only that, we completely let our guard down and live totally under the influence. Satan would love nothing more than for you to live completely defenseless and distracted and miss out on who it is that God's called you to in the midst of these times. Hey, folks, we need Christians who are intentional and have their guard up, right? It's about 20 years ago. Over here on Frierson Field, I'm playing second base. And Courtney Crane, who would later become Courtney Curry, praise God in heaven, is sitting behind home plate. And there's a lot of words that I could use, but the main one is this. I was distracted, amen? 
And we're trying to play a game. We're trying to win a championship. And I'm out there. And at that time, everybody's depending on me a little bit. Like if I ain't playing good, the ship ain't going. You know what I'm talking about? And it's about the third inning. And I've kicked a couple balls. And I'm not hitting very well. But she's looking pretty pretty behind the plate. And Turk Stovall, my shortstop, hits me on the knee. And he said, hey, Curry, I think she's going to marry you. But if you don't stop looking at her, we're going to get beat today. I was distracted. I was distracted. Would that be a description of you in 2021? I get to travel a lot. Involved in a lot of, Christ, a lot of churches. So many Christians angry. So many Christians fighting on things that are temporary that won't last. Well, if Satan can't get a church to completely live in rebellion, he'd love for a church just to live distracted. I told the students this weekend, any temporary pursuit at the expense of the eternal is a bad trade. I mean, we spend our whole life trying to drink from those wells. We believe there's a possession, a person, a pleasure, position, power, something that we could fill our lives with, and we live completely and totally distracted, not sober-minded. What about you? When Paul was writing to the Colossians, he said this, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. You see, this is not just a verse pulled out of nowhere. His orthodox teaching from a Christian standpoint, that we are to be on guard in our mindset, that we're not just to be intentional, but we are also to be resolved. We want to think clearly and not be under the influence of the world. I would say this, One of the best things that happens in church when you get in workshops, when you get in small groups, you get shoulder to shoulder with someone who can really tell when you're distracted or someone who who knows that you're not thinking intentionally. My hope is this, if you're here and you're a young person, that you would team up forever in marriage with someone who's following Jesus so that they can hit you on the knee and say, hey, you're not focused right now. You're distracted right now. Isn't it true? We tend to be able to see so clearly what needs to, to change in everyone else's life while excusing and justifying what needs to change in our own. Why do we do that? Because it's so easy to do. We need to think intentionally, but we also need to think clearly. Now, I have a 15-year-old and a 16-year-old. And so in, in our home, we work really hard to make sure that we're up before them. Our home has changed ever since we just started playing praise and worship music in home, low volume, before we get ready for school. No devices. We're just going to talk to each other on the way to school, and I'm going to pray for you when you get out of the car. I started to notice about 13 or 14, the, un, the, the ability to put those earphones in and drown out was not a good decision. If the first thing you reach for in the morning is that phone, you have no chance of being sober-minded. You're going to be completely and totally at the mercy of whatever it is. And don't kid yourself. Like I, I'm speaking very basic Christian things. This is a spiritual nature in war. The idea that Satan's just going to sit back and let you live the life that God's called you to and not attack you is fictional. And the greatest attack that he could get is you believing that it's not there. We've got to think clearly. I, I could spend an hour there. By the grace of God, I won't. The next one is this. We've got to think think 
hopefully, right? We're thinking intentionally, thinking clearly, and thinking hopefully. Peter says, with your minds ready for action, there's the intentionality. Be sober-minded. We want to be clear. And then what? Set your hope. Look at that word, completely. Set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you with the revelation of Jesus Christ. I want you to remember, for those of you that are discouraged right now, for those of you that are upset right now, for those of you going through difficulties right now, and I do not make light of those, and my life experiences could never lead me to a place where I understand everything that you're going through. But I will tell you this, that most of this was written by people going through very difficult things to people going through very difficult things. And every single person in life sets their hope on something. What have you set your hope on? I'd like to encourage you and challenge you. If you've drifted, the new way is this. Set your hope and your foundation on what will never let you down. That's what leads us to say things like this. If I live, it's Christ, and if I die, it's gain. The paraphrase, what can happen to me? That's the hope the world needs. Can the folks around you see that joy in you? It ought to be. There it is. I told my mom I wasn't going to use the word ought. It ought to be so easy to spot a Christian in 2022. They ought to see your smile coming a mile away. Even if you got a mask on, they could see your cheeks go up. They ought to be able to spot it a mile away for those of you on social media, for the people that you interact with. You see, Peter wanted these Christians to know that their hope was not in how the government was going to treat them, the persecution that they were going to face, if they lost brothers and sisters along the way, that one day Jesus makes all things new and our hope is completely and totally resting in that. But what happens? We drift. We put our hope in something else that we think will fill us up, something else that will satisfy, something else that will bring us purpose. Hebrews 10.23 says this, let us hold unswervingly, you see about that? We're not going to drift to the hope that we profess. For he who promised is what? He's faithful. God is working right now perfectly positioned Morrison Heights to make the difference in the impact that he's called you to. Be intentional. Don't be distracted. Think clearly and think hopefully. I always think like this. Boy, in the mid-80s when we would go on those long road trips as a family before you knew you had to buckle kids up. My mom and dad would throw us in the back of that big old van that looked like an endless cavern, right? But can I just tell you something? You remember those trips? The trip there was so much better than the trip back. The only difference was the hope of where you're going. Same distance, same journey, just different destination. But don't you ever forget that this ain't our home. And in the midst of the difficult circumstances that you face, if you've put your hope on temporary things that we're always going to let you down. Maybe it's time for a new way to think hopefully. Peter transitions from how we think to then how we're going to live. 
in a new way. In verse 14, he says this, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance, but as the one who called you is holy, you are also to be holy in all your conduct, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Verse 14 begins right there, if you're underlining that word obedient. So first thing I want you to write down right there, live obediently. He calls us children. Something profound has changed in us. He's already told them that we have become heirs, that we have what the Old Testament prophets testified about in Christ. It's almost like he's saying this, would you guys live up to who you are? Like you're built to obey the Father's will. It's not just what you should do, it's who you are. Peter wants us to live a life of obedience. And I want to tell you this. God has not given us direction for consideration. You cannot live the will of God in disobedience to the Word of God. If you're wondering what it means today for you to live a life following Christ, live obediently. And what we're believing is this, and what I taught you students this weekend is that God is a loving Father who is not trying to hold out on you. That He's leading us to a life that matters, life to the full, life that is filled with freedom, life that offers things that this temporary world does not. What's Lucifer doing? The same thing that he's always doing. He's trying to pervert and alter, deceive. And he steps right in in your life and says something like this, did God really say right from Genesis 3. And if he can get you to question the Word of God, it's a small step to living disobediently. We talked this weekend extensively. And I taught you students a very simple principle that everyone in our culture needs to hear. That what you feel cannot dictate the path you follow. Your feelings are real, but sometimes they're not truthful. Your feelings, emotions, and desires are real, but sometimes they're not right. Your feelings, emotions, and desires are real, but sometimes they're not best. The first filter of life is not what I feel, not what everyone else is doing, not what makes sense, not what seems reasonable. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. He'll make you pass straight. Can I ask you, is there an area of your life that you've been living in disobedience, but you just continue to excuse it and justify it? And you might have even found a group of people that have come around you to tell you, what that, that's just okay, it's just the way you are. And that may make you feel better in a moment. But it ultimately will not deliver. And it is not who God called you to be, and there's no peace there. There's no peace there. We have a life group that meets in our home every Wednesday night. Don't tell anybody. No, they're watching it online. It's my favorite thing that happens. I like, it's been a blessing being at Rock Creek for the last 17 years and getting to preach to those folks. I love preaching to a room full of people, but my favorite thing that happens is in our home each week when those young couples open their Bible. And we don't do, no, 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 we're not doing child care. Let them crawl around on the floor. Let them be loud. I want those kids to see their moms and dads with their Bibles open. I can teach the Bible through kids screaming. I've been trained. But we got a fireplace in our home, and kids are drawn to that fireplace like a moth. 
And they just want to touch it, right? And I just tell them, hey, hey, that's hot. And they look at me like I'm trying to get something from them. And every now and then, a little bit old school, I go, go ahead. You know, the Word of God so many times, it's not a father trying to keep from us. He knows what will burn us. And that little child don't know because he can't see what a grown-up can see. You can't always see what the father sees. It's when you're confused and you don't understand. And you go, are you reading into this? No, that's why Peter called us children. Would you just be obedient? Would you believe that mom and dad don't want you to play in the street because you could get hurt there? And when there's a conflict between your will and the Word of God, would you just decide now that I'm going to submit to live obediently? Peter goes on and he says this, Do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. You know what that means? Write this down. Live differently. Don't just live obediently. Live differently. At the parent conference yesterday, I challenged the parents. Don't be afraid to have the other parents in culture say, Why do you parent like that? Like if there hadn't been a moment lately when someone asked you why you're like that, it's because you're living like everyone else. Like when's the last time it looked different? When's the last time it was set apart? Like Peter says this, that there were these old desires. You see that? Feelings. But we're not going to conform or give in to what everyone else is given into. That's how we used to live when we were ignorant. But only dead people feel comfortable in a coffin. We've been made alive. We're not going back there. We have been called and set apart. Hey, you weren't made to fit in. And when you start fitting in, you need to start asking some questions. And I would say this as a Christian. There ought to be a lot of times this year that somebody asks you, why are you like that? What happened to you? Paul wrote to the Ephesians and he says this, we are God's masterpiece or handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Someone following Christ, the depth of your faith ought to produce a wake of impact that just makes a difference in everybody's life around you. But if you live like everyone else, you won't make a difference in anybody else. Mom and dad, don't be afraid to be left out. Don't be afraid to say no. Don't be afraid to set a standard. Don't be afraid. I told the parents yesterday, if you want to live with a legacy of parenting that impacts for generations, my mom and dad both came from homes that should have never produced should have never produced disciples. But they met Jesus and they decided together that they were going to stop what had been happening generation after generation after generation. And my mom and dad went to bed every night hearing parents arguing and fighting and drinking. And I went to bed every night to the readings of C.S. Lewis and Pilgrim's Progress and the Old Testament prophets. And it's because they established priority. When the recruiters came around, my dad let them know, we're not missing church. Ball's not as important as eternity. It seems ridiculous that you would even have to say that out loud. And there were a lot of folks that took shots at my dad for that. 
And I get emotional every time I think about it. But can I tell you something? I am so proud that he didn't give in. So proud. We need Christians who don't conform. And they're not mad about it. They're just not moving. They live differently. I want you to think about your life right now. Could the folks in your life spot your marriage from a mile away, your parenting from a mile away, the way you do your job? Oh, do your job with excellence. Do more than they require. Show up early. Stay late. Do it better. And when anybody asks you why you do it like that, you tell them Colossians 3.23 says, everything you do, do it with all your heart as though you're working for the Lord. Your job can be a witness at school. Don't you dare just get by. You break every record, be number one in the class, and when someone asks you why, you tell them it's for the Lord. In your attitude, in your circumstance, at the gym, when you're shopping, online, on your post, faith changes everything that we do and how we live. And it's not circumstantial. James 1.22 says this, Do not merely listen to the Word and deceive yourself. Do what it says. You see, the things that you know about the Word but you don't live, you don't believe those things. And when we say one thing and live something different, the rest of the world looks at us and says, you hypocrites, you're not really believing that. We've been called to live differently. Last one. Verse 15, he says, but as the one who called you is holy, that means set apart, you also are to be holy in all, if you're taking notes, your conduct. So see, he is talking about how we live. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. We know that God is holy, set apart other. We may not realize that we too are called. This has already happened in Christ. The emphasis here is that we are to live up to what we already are. And we sang about it. We sang about it. It's not by my might. Oh, you go home and I'm going to try harder and I'm going to be better and you'll fall and you'll fail and you'll quit. You see, even the self-control to live this out is a fruit and gift of the Spirit in you. That dependency to live in and through the power of the Spirit leads you to intimacy with the Father and that's what He wants with you anyway. To be praying constantly, God, I can't do this without you. God, I'm not sure I can make it today without you. Would you give me all the strength to live? I don't want to give in today. God, I'm not sure how I'm going to make it today. And when you do that, the last one, you begin to live wholeheartedly with every area of your life. Jesus said, love the Lord your God. In Mark 12, 30, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And you may be thinking, Jason, I don't know who you are, man, but I can't do this. And my hope for you is that you would be desperate enough to look for the hope that you have in a relationship with Christ. And as your roots grow down deep every single day into who it is that God has called you to be, that you would begin to think intentionally, purposefully, 
As your roots grow down into Christ, you would think clearly and no longer let your defense down and let the world consume you. As your roots grow down into Christ, you would think hopefully and everyone around you could see. As circumstances change, you don't. Like a lighthouse in the storm. And that you would live obediently and differently and wholeheartedly. And I think this. For many church-going folks, that would be a new way. But I will tell you this. You'll never regret it. And you look back on your life, and I believe that there'll be story after story after story after story of God using you, a very, very, very imperfect person, saved by the grace of God, who decided to follow Jesus with their whole heart, no matter what anyone else is doing. And you'll look back and you'll be thankful that you went where God called you to go, you did what God called you to do, and you became who God called you to be. Let me pray for you. Father, we love you so much. What a great passage. Challenging for sure. And I think that these are the right people. They had every reason in the world to not be here this morning or to not turn on their computer. So something's going on in their life. There's something that's encouraging them, challenging them, calling them. We believe it's you. And there's a good chance that there's one of these areas that they need to make an adjustment. The biblical word is repentance, to turn around. And we're thankful this morning that it is your kindness that leads us to repentance. You are a loving Father who has invited us. You've invited us into relationship with you and to submit all of our life to you. And there is no better life than living our life completely and totally surrendered to you. And so I pray that this church, the people of Morrison Heights, will continue to be that. And that you will continue to work through them. And that during these times that for so many are so confusing, so challenging, so discouraging, that many years from now it would be said that there was a family of believers in Clinton And they just decided that they were going to think and live in a different way, in a new way. And God used them. And it changed them. And it changed everyone around them. Thank you for loving us. And thank you for your word. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pastor.